0: hello i'm your host ben and you're listening to your career kit brought to you by employment for students the podcast where we share the best career tips and advice as well as bringing new industry professionals to share their inspiring stories to help kickstart and further your career for more information as well as student jobs head to e4s.co.uk Welcome back to another episode. Now, knowing your rights as an employee is something that we all need to be aware of, but sadly, this isn't the case. That's why today I brought in an expert on the subject. I'm joined by Tom Frost from the Gangmasters and Labour Abuse Authority, a body of the UK's Home Office, and he's here to discuss with me the crucial things you need to know to protect yourself, a friend, a colleague, or even your child in the workplace. Hello, Tom. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today?
1: Hi Ben, uh, yeah, very well thanks, how are
0: you? Good, good. yeah, not too bad, thank you. Uh, so today we're going to be focusing all on you know workers' rights and especially you know students, it's quite an important topic because a lot of students go into their first job, don't they, and they're not really sure how it works. So we're going to be sort of focusing on the key points. So we're going to be looking at pay, holiday, working hours, working conditions, as well as treatment at work, sort of looking at any indications of ex- exploitation. Should we start off with pay? What are sort of the common issues you find with pay in the workplace?
1: Um, yeah, well, um, as you know, and, and a lot of people will recognise in this country, is that workers are entitled to a national minimum wage. Now, these change every year. Um, at the moment, it's currently for, for over twenty fives. it's £8.72 an hour. But perhaps more for your audience and with students and for, for people who are aged between 21 and 24, it's £8.20. And they usually go up each year. But one of the main indicators of labour exploitation are people who have been paid below that. Now, that could fall short, whether it just be uh, a few pounds, um, or it could be in the more severe instances where people are actually not paid at all for their work. So depending on what these sort of issues are in the workplace, then we, we may be involved to to investigate. But the important thing is that we're all aware of what our entitlement is to the national minimum wage.
0: One thing as well, I, I haven't sort of put this in the notes, so sorry if I sort of throw you off. But in terms of you know a lot of students work in you know restaurants and bars and things like that is there an issue when it comes to tips and things like that they're not you know uh, the business isn't allowed to um sort of use tips instead of wages they've got to, have to sort of a set wage have they
1: well that's right i mean a- as i said everyone should be entitled to that that payment of the national minimum wage and that should be paid directly by your employer um, it could actually be an indicator of labor exploitation if your employer is paying you a base rate which is below that and saying you need to keep your tips as in order to sort of bring you back or level to that national minimum wage rate but in order to be in compliant with the legislation regardless of what type of work you're doing whether you're working in construction in a bar in a restaurant anything you must ensure that you're getting that that payment and and if you're not it, it needs to be reported
0: absolutely and it, when it comes to holiday as well they sort of go hand in hand in a way is everyone entitled to holiday and what are the common issues you see around holiday
1: that's right yeah so um all workers in the UK labour market are are entitled to to paid holiday. Um, The official rate is 5.6 weeks a year of uh, paid holiday. Now, depending on how many days a week you work, that will impact on how many days paid holiday you're allowed to get. But that's obviously an issue where workers aren't getting paid holiday. And it's something we see quite a lot in zero hours contracts where people are just sort of working at sort of last minute, especially bar work, where you might find out you're working that evening. You may not be unaware of your entitlements as a a full-time worker in particular but there's a broader issue here as well in relation to rest days because whilst you're entitled to paid holiday a big indicator of labour exploitation is people who are having to work extended hours and not having that break in between their shifts whether that be a break in the day or also not having holiday days and having to work every day of the week these are all indicators of exploitation
0: Is there sort of a standard practice in terms of if you work X amount of hours in a day, you have to have this much break in the same way that if you work X amount of days over a set period, you need to have sort of a break between these days. Is there a standard practice or is it sort of up to the employer just to make sure it's fair?
1: Um, Yeah, there are there are official rates and it's usually for, for sort of every eight hours you work, you should have a 20 minute break within that time period. Now, that 20 minute break, it should be uninterrupted. So it can't be one of those where, right, well, You can have your lunch, but you'll need to be keeping an eye on your emails or you may be needing to to cover a telephone. It should be an uninterrupted break. Now, that doesn't have to be paid. Um, You should have to read your contract to ensure that if you are having a break that it is paid. It's not a legal entitlement. It's more for your own safety as as a worker in order to keep your concentration up because where it can be a significant indicator of exploitation is if you're ever working with anything high risk, whether you're driving or whether you're working with heavy machinery and you're not having those brakes if you're tired it could have quite really dangerous consequences so it's really important to be aware that you are utilizing the brakes you're legally entitled to
0: I guess it shows you you sort of said about you know if you're driving a vehicle if you're operating heavy machinery I know a lot of students you know who are listening might not be doing those sort of roles but it just shows how important brakes are because you know a lorry driver they need to have those set brakes otherwise they're actually breaking the law don't they
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and it can have really dangerous consequences, and, and the same goes if you're driving sort of uh, passengers, you know, if you're working for a taxi firm, for instance, if you're cause, causing an accident, due to not having a, having a break, it can have serious issues, but it also can, can just carry its own risks, you know, regardless of what element of work you're doing, if you make a mistake in the workplace, which comes down to your tiredness through not having a break, it could be in finance, it could be anything, mm-hmm. it can have really dangerous consequences if you do something which was a mistake, following a lack of access to, to your own break time
0: I guess in a way as well it's about looking after yourself as well yes you're entitled to it but you know you can't be overworking yourself especially if you're a student or whether you know you just come out of education and now you sort of got a graduate role you've got to look after yourself and work in too many hours you know I've been guilty of that Well, I remember when I first got my you know my, my first weekend job is that I'd allow myself to you know I do this five days at school and then flat out all weekend and you sort of just after a few weeks you feel it sort of build up and I don't know I think it's sometimes an issue with students because. You, you don't see it that do you You sort of just see right I need to earn as much as I can Is there are any tips in terms of working hours you know is there a way to make sure it's it's more favourable especially if the employer's pushing it on you
1: yeah I mean there's lots of different ways I mean personally where I've um, where where I've found benefits from this and, and this comes from a similar example when I was working as a student but then in the holidays I was sort of doing lots of different types of work and when you're new to a job, you're quite keen to make a good impression and you're keen to go above and beyond for your employer. But there's a way of doing that. And I find it's more in terms of your output and your attitude to do the job rather than the duration of it. Mm-hmm. And personally, I find that I produce better results when I've had a 30 minute break in the middle of the day, I'd rather have to do an eight hour day, which has been good work, mm-hmm. rather than a 12 hour day, which I've been doing sort of you know, uh, perhaps doing so a bit with less effort and a bit more time because I've not had that break. So that's one of the, the, the tips I'd say, just sort of try and make time and, and make have better quality of work rather than, than quantity of it. And another area in which i found helps as well is just don't feel pressured by what your colleagues are doing. Um, yeah. And that also applies to students, I think. If, if a person is saying how much time they've spent studying or doing, doing coursework, don't sort of take that as an indicator of what good looks like. Perhaps look at more the results of it and make sure that the time you are spent on it is is good quality time, not just because it's long.
0: Absolutely. And moving on to the final main talking point or sort of the main issues that arise is, you know, working, uh, working conditions, treatment at work, you know. How can students not only identify that, but actually know the way they're being treated at work isn't how they should be being treated? Because I guess the danger that sort of students might find themselves And, you know, since day one, they've been treated that way. So they might think it's normal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, There are lots of different indicators in terms of treatment of workers, which can amount from very minor labour exploitation issues to more severe modern slavery. And some of the indicators are the way that bosses or managers actually speaks to their employees. It's something which you can either see yourself in the workplace if a manager has spoken to you in a way which you felt has been potentially sort of discriminatory or derogatory, that's not on, it, it, it's not acceptable and you can't cannot let that become the norm and And that's where um, important functions within the workplace such as trade unions are really important because you can go to them and, and I would advise becoming a member of a trade union if you can because these are sort of an extra pair of ears you can talk to about some of your issues in the workplace and, and actually you can do so anonymously and it can actually result in some... some um, a better situation if they were to approach the employer and, and, and resolve it. So yeah. in, in relation to the way bosses or managers speak to the workers is a big indicator but there's also a broader issue around working conditions and, and a lot of that comes down to safety as well. So we see quite a lot of issues where workers have gone into the workplace and they may not have the sufficient training to do the job. Um, an example I gave previously was sort of operating heavy machinery if you've not got the correct equipment to do that job, or you don't feel prepared to do the job, that is not your fault. And it should be your employer that makes sure you have the appropriate training and equipment in order to do the job in a, in a good condition. Because, as I say, you're potentially at risk there. If, you, if you're doing something you're not comfortable in, Absolutely. it can cause injuries to yourself. So. I'd always put the put the weight back on the employer, and, and as I said, a trade union is a good uh, a good example of somewhere you can sort of address those issues anonymously.
0: You know, you mentioned trade unions, so I was in, in my second job actually. where I was in a trade union. You know, simple to join. You know, and in your induction, they sort of say, right, this is what we have. This is how you roll on it. You know, I think it was literally it comes out your pay packet automatically. I think it might be like ten pounds a month, but if you're maybe in an organisation who doesn't quite push it to you, in your induction, how do you go about joining, a, um, a trade union?
1: Well, yeah, there are there are some in, independent ones. Um, just a quick Google online will show you there there are some authorities you can pay that monthly fee for to join and be a member. Um, particularly in the public sector, there, there's a, a few public sector organisations. If when you finish university and you join a public sector organisation, you do have a choice there. Um, but. There are a couple of other bodies as well which aren't trade unions per se but they can give you advice on how to deal with workplace disputes. Um, One of the the most commonly known ones is ACAS um, which stands for the uh, Arbitration and Conciliary, um, sorry the Advisory Conciliation and Arbitration Service and they offer free legal advice to employees who have issues in the workplace. A similar way in which a trade union might. So if you're experiencing issues and you're not a member of a trade union, that doesn't mean you're not entitled to some of the support these these bodies can give you. So if you are experiencing issues in relation to the conditions of your work, I'd advise ringing ACAS. It's completely free and they can give you some of these sort of legal advice to resolve some of
0: these disputes in the workplace. And we'll, we'll put that, the, the link to that down in the description below so anyone can access that if they're having any issues. But also interestingly, I think when we spoke beforehand, um, mentioned about you know not only looking out for problems for yourself but for other people what how do you go about that in terms of knowing you're a being exploited but also someone else maybe it might be someone else you're working with or you might sort of be going into a supermarket or something or or you know at an event and you see another employee getting exploited how how do you sort of go about that
1: yeah that's right and it's it's something which we need people to do and and, and at the GLAA we need to be made aware of of, spit specifically where there's more significant indicators of, of exploitation which may amount to, to modern slavery and as consumers as we enter um, restaurants bars or, or as you've mentioned events, we all need to be keeping an eye out on on whether the workers are being treated fairly and reporting it if, if we're seeing something untoward So some of the common ones we see are where we potentially see workers sleeping at the workplace um, particularly it's car washes for example. Um, this could be an indicator that, There is no distinction between a person's home address and their workplace and they're having to work all of the time so much so they're having to sleep on site so that's one of the main indicators we get reports about um as well the appearance of workers is is an important one as well if you're ever coming across workers who appear disheveled or unkempt or um, potentially poor hygiene as well it could indicate that they haven't got access to some of the things we take for granted such as a shower or access to, to fresh clothing so those more significant issues are, are, are indicators of modern slavery but in your own workplace just speaking with colleagues you know asking people how they are asking people how they're finding work and, and what their home life is like as well just to ensure that there isn't anything untoward going there and if there are any indicators such as these we'd, we'd recommend you call the glaa
0: absolutely and so we, we've now sort of identified the problems and you know we can now see for example i'm a, I'm a student who has a job and you know you might be quite nervous because I guess in a way you don't really want to rock the boat do you want you at work because a lot of people especially in the times at the moment where you are quite grateful for work because a lot of people are losing their jobs what is sort of the the best way to report any issues especially if you're nervous you're young you don't really know how to go about it you mentioned trade unions and also ACAS but it's not something you should feel intimidated by is it?
1: No absolutely not and there are a number of different ways you can resolve issues and it doesn't it doesn't have to be confrontational you know it can be you know, quite relaxed. And one of the the examples I'd give is that let's say you uh, it gets to the end of the month and you receive your pay packet and it's perhaps a couple of hundred pounds short. And you're thinking, I'm sure I worked longer hours this month, and and you've been underpaid. It could be something as simple as an administrative oversight from your employer. And I completely understand where someone new to a job might feel worried about reporting that to their employer. And one of the things I'd recommend is is really just make sure that you're keeping a record of of your your payments. So um, even copies of bank statements, which clearly show money not going into your account, um, copies of your timesheets, things like that. Because if it's going to go down the line to a sort of employment tribunal, this is really good evidence to show that you've not been paid correctly. And another tip I'd give as well is just make sure it's all done electronically. So if you do it by email, for example, a very polite email to, to, to to your HR team to say, I've noticed I've been underpaid this month. If you can just keep a record of that, then that can show, well, you reported it on this date and it's still not been resolved yet. It doesn't have to be a knock on your manager's door to say, you know, where's my money? It can be (laughs) something as simple as, you know, I'm having this issue, can it please be resolved? And any legitimate employer won't have a problem with that. If they do, then potentially there could be something more severe going on here and you may be better off having full paid work elsewhere where you're going to be treated better so I've never shy away from it because as a worker you do have rights and yeah. those bodies I've mentioned before they will protect and help you to to get resolution to your issues.
0: Now you, you said you know made a really good point about you know have things in writing sort of in email form because you know you, you can't challenge that because you can clearly see the time you can clearly see you know what's been said where right? sort of a conversation face to face people could lie people could forget that's what quite easy to do but one thing that's so important it's just one word Contracts. Yes. How important are contracts in sort of these issues?
1: I mean, from it, from my perspective, it's it's the most important thing. Now, most what well, I could argue, most all full time work will involve some form of written contract, and and that should be your bible to say this is the work I'll be doing, this is what I've signed up for, and these are my benefits, and that should cover everything from your annual leave to your pay to some of the benefits in the workplace you know whether that's bonuses whether that's overtime Mm. all things like that should be covered in your contracts. now I completely understand in scenarios and I've been there myself in between uh, semesters at uni when you're doing sort of cash in hand work now obviously your employer may not draw up a contract for you on that day but anything which is the equivalent of even if it's a text message or an email which says on this date i'm asking you to work this is how much you'll be paid be paid just something to refer back to to say this was our agreement now obviously if you can get that full contract then obviously that's that's gold dust and that's what you need but in scenarios where that's not possible just something in writing showing your expectations as a worker should help you in the long term if you are going to go down the sort of recourse route to sort of claim any unpaid wages then you can refer back to that
0: definitely and I guess one thing that often is an issue with you know terms conditions sort of call it a broader terms in terms of contracts is that you don't read them do you I think we're all guilty you know you buy an app on the app store you see the pages upon pages but you know contracts aren't always that long you know sometimes they're a couple pages long sometimes they're you know 10 pages long but I think it's one of the most important documents that it is worthwhile reading because like you said you might even find some benefits in there might need sort of your you're entitled to this and you know it, mm-hmm. not reading it you could be leaving yourself quite short sure and it backs you up as well doesn't it because it can inform you of the procedures in place mm-hmm.
1: absolutely yeah and, and sometimes even the, the best contracts are ones which are very short I mean you know if they're just 20 pages or so which isn't an awful lot a quick 10 minute read of that should fully brief you on, on what it is you're signing up to um of course, not all of it is going to be entirely relevant, but I would encourage all people to, to read through it as much as they can and and even compare them. You know, if you, if you just do a quick Google search on, on a normal employment contract, you can really quickly brief yourself on what one looks like and how yours may differ from that. So definitely spend the time to read it if you can.
0: Now, you mentioned Google as well, you know, doing a Google search for contracts. Google, especially when you're searching for jobs, is probably your best friend. And in terms of doing a bit of research and a bit of digging for your employer how important is this in the steps to you know not only once you have a job but if you're actually looking to get a job
1: Mm -hmm. oh it's it's absolutely essential I mean when you're going out trying to sort of ace an interview you're you're obviously doing your preparation in terms of online searches a bit about the company and about the role you're applying for but I think one thing which does get missed is the more sort of the ethics of the business you're signing up to you know how do they treat their workers and It's incredible, really. I mean, I'm speaking from an investigator standpoint that the amount of material online is absolutely incredible about people and businesses. And if you're signing up to work for a limited company, a quick search on on Companies House, which is a free gov.uk website, will show you who the business is. It will show you the directors. And for me, if, if I'm going to be devoting 40 hours of my working week, I want to know a bit about my employers. So... Google those names, you know, you might find articles about workers who have rallied against them for unpaid wages. Um, There are other tools as well, such as glassdoor.com, which actually gives employees a chance to rate their employers, what the pros and cons were, what it was like to work there. And if there are any red flags there in relation to treatment or unpaid wages or you know, the manner, the, the manner of the, the way the bosses spoke to or treated their workers. And these red flags might be something to either turn you away or, or seek clarity on uh, interview stage. So, yeah, there's all sorts of information available just, just on Google and, and just searching social media as well. I mean, if you go on uh, Twitter or Facebook and just search there, if they've got a page, what are the comments saying, you know, what, what are some of the, the the sort of perspectives of these businesses? And it may be an indicator that there isn't something quite right here. Mm-hmm. And an example I'd give is when I was working in the summer holidays in between, um, my second and third year, I, I did some quick cash in hand work for just setting up a stall at a country fair. And and all I had was a person's name and a, a trading name. And, looking back it would have been quite easy for them at the end of that second day to say well I promise you 150 pounds but I'm only going to pay you half because we've had a bit of a slow day but back then I could have googled that person I could have got more information about them and more information about the business and I could I would have felt safer then agreeing to commit two days of my my time to it.
0: I guess that's one of the issues with students sometimes especially like I said a minute ago in terms of you know this the, the whole pandemic has meant that job opportunities are quite scarce. What are the issues around people being desperate for work? Because there there comes a point where you might be quite lenient to exploitation because you know, you might be aware that what's going on isn't right, but you you know, you can't you don't want to say anything, do you? Because you you should be happy with it, but you shouldn't. You should really be saying something.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's incredible the amount of workers we identify as part of our investigations who we're quite happy to work for three or four pounds an hour, um, whether they weren't aware of the national minimum wage rates when they agreed to work or whether they're just grateful for being paid a few pounds. It's not right. And it's really important that you, you do receive entirely what you're entitled to. Now, I completely understand the, the desperation to, to get a job. I mean, when you get your degree, I mean, it's three years of your life and a lot of time, effort and money has gone into getting that degree and you want a return on that investment quite quickly. And from my perspective, I can see how easy it is to jump at the first job offer you get. And while you may leave some of those red flags, which were at the back of your mind, you know, you may enter a workplace and think something isn't quite right here. However, I kind of feel under pressure to sort of work. And it could be that family are demanding rent from you. It, It could be that you've seen some of your, friends at uni gone off and got really good jobs and you're sort of feeling oh I, I kind of feel like I need to to get, get my act together so students I feel potentially are somewhat put at risk of potentially getting exploited because there is that rush to go out and get a job especially in this climate so all I really say to people is just take take five minutes to take a step back and just see if what this job offer is what they're offering is right for you and just be assured not to jump at the first opportunity because there will be other job offers you know there will be other opportunities and just make sure that when you're signing that contract and, and joining that employer that it is right for you and that you can be assured that you're not going to be at risk of any exploitation there.
0: 100% now I mean you've summed everything up perfectly you know you've given some great advice some great tips your department at the GLLA you are going to be actually releasing a level one qualification aren't you looking at you know it's a 10-hour course focusing on employers rights which perfectly sums everything up pretty much doesn't it
1: yeah absolutely it's something we're, we're really excited about so the the course we've um we've launched at the moment it's in its pilot stage and we've developed it in partnership with boston college um the skills and education group and the university of nottingham rights lab and essentially as as you've mentioned it's a level one qualification which is currently being rolled out to 1,000 students and it essentially covers your rights as a worker. So the things I've mentioned before about your holiday pay entitlement, your working hours, what the legal requirements there are, it will cover a lot of this. But it will also teach students on how to spot some of the indicators of modern slavery. So how to spot a potential victim of modern slavery or human trafficking. It will also involve what does a fake job advert look like compared to a real one. And Things which sound quite simple reading a, a contract or a pay slip or a timesheet is actually quite difficult and will actually give you training on how to specifically read through those to to prevent exploitation and the thinking is is whilst this can give these students um, you know an understanding of their own rights but these students can then when they enter the workplace can almost be flag bearers to know what exploitation looks like and how to report it and what we're hoping to do and it's something we're very excited about is once it's been evaluated that is something we will look to roll out nationally to get more people on board and really get people talking about labour exploitation.
0: Definitely. And, you know, it's, it's a win win situation, isn't it? Because not only you learn about how to protect yourself and others, but it's a qualification that you can shout about on your CV, on your LinkedIn. And it can actually help you, especially if you're looking to go into HR, for example, or you're looking to start your own business. You know, it can really sort of set you above the rest.
1: Definitely. And, you know, there are lots of things, you know, in, in most em- employers, you know, a lot of workers will have something which is their own, whether that's first aid trading or whether it's a particular language skill or anything like that. If you've got how to spot the signs of, of labour exploitation, that could be a really valuable asset, especially if you're going into recruitment, for example, mm-hmm. because talking about transparency in recruitment supply chains, if you've got training on that, that's a really important string to your bow. And it's something which will be desirable to a lot of ethical employers, not just in this country but but worldwide
0: definitely i mean it's hugely valuable um information you know because there is light in the tunnel and you know you should never ever become desperate for a job and you should always be looking after yourself do you have any sort of final tips final final thoughts
1: um just just always take take a step back whenever it comes to to employment. Um, never rush in to a job. And I think the the main things I just want to summarise are always ensure you have some form of contract and always ensure that you're doing your research on, on your employer. Um, if you see an advert online, which is too good to be true, being honest, it probably is. Yeah, and it, it, it can't hurt anyone to just do a few quick Google searches even ask a friend or family member to say look I've seen this advert would you mind just taking a little look at that and prove I'm not going mad and this is legitimate and and ask questions ask questions at interview if if your employer's got something to hide then they're not going to be worth working for believe <laughs> so so just be honest with yourself and just just stay co- cool and calm
0: amazing well thank you very much Tom we'll, we'll pop any necessary links sort of down the, the link below our uh, description below but you've been amazing and thank you so much for your tips and advice. And hopefully, you know, if you are unfortunately in the position where you are being exploited, you know, hopefully this podcast can help you reach out and, you know, get that help to get you into a better role. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you so much once again and, you know, we'll hopefully see you soon. Trivett. Yeah, it's
1: been an absolute pleasure, Ben. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Tom. Take care. We hope you enjoyed listening and picked up some valuable tips or advice. If you did enjoy, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. If you're looking for student jobs from part-time jobs, gap year roles, apprenticeships, internships, placements or graduate roles, head to e4s.co.uk. See you next time.